0: Kia ora te whanau, uh, ko wayau he uri tenei nō no tainui waka, nō no whaingaroa a hau, uh, e ngā re e pākekeana au i te maru o te haukainga i konei, uh, ngai tūhiriri, ngai tau whanui, he mihi kātika a rātau, uh, ko Janelle Rikki Waka aho hau, noho, uh, I te taha o Uncle Dean uh, Nō te whenua moimoea I te iwi takitaki taki I tenei rā. Nōku te honore Nā tata te honore Ki te whakarongo Ki tā uh, māua kōrero I tenei ahi, ahi. Uh, no mai ki Aotearoa, uh, Uncle Dean um, I me, me timata Um Welcome Uncle Dean I wanted to um, introduce myself first and foremost and then I'd love to uh, learn a little bit more about you but in the first instance, welcome to Aotearoa New Zealand uh, and welcome to Tahi Christchurch uh, it is lovely to have you here we feel very blessed to have you here and um, so my name is Janelle Rikiwaka, Waka and I am a Maori in descent uh, or tangata whenua which is the First Nations people of Aotearoa and my tribe is the um, Waikato Tainui tribe which is in the North Island um, and I know that you know of Auckland, so to by way of explanation, it's sort of um, not too far from Auckland, maybe an hour and a half, two hour drive uh, in a beautiful place called Whangaroa or Raglan. Uh, and I have some other tribal connections to Ngati Hawiti, which is sort of uh, north of Wellington in the middle of the, of the, well, just about the middle of the North Island. Uh, But we are here today in Ōtautahi Christchurch and in my opening kōrero I acknowledged the local tribe or tribes here. Um, We are currently uh, in the area of Ngai Tūhuriri tribe and the wider tribal group is Ngai Tahu which covers a good part of the South Island um, and that's a co- collective if you like of tribes that come together so welcome to our um, our beautiful whenua to our beautiful land it is really an honor to have some time to share space with you we're just going to have a yarn a kōrero as we would say in te reo Māori uh, but um, I would love uh, for you to introduce yourself Uncle Dean and um, to our listeners as well
1: well marumbu. thank you Janelle um I am a one uh, a, a my man, which is our nation is a saltwater country, coastal countries. Um, my tribe, my community is Warangonara, which is freshwater. So I'm a freshwater man in saltwater country. Mm-hmm. Our, our community crosses over that, which is an important part of the story about the way freshwater and saltwater come together is yeah. is a is a is a sacred and, and um, powerful sort of relationship where life begins. But um you know, I, I, I really appreciate that that the welcome to country and that sort of engagement with this particular place. And in, in my language, Gatang language of that people's, um of my, my mother's language, I just want to sort of yeng, Oto Tahu Um which I just want to acknowledge that Thank I'm on this country, it's a very special country. And and I want to sort of recognize and the elders of this country and then the nurturing that they've given to you and the nurturing that they give to me when I'm here too. So okay. thank you for the invitation to be in this conversation with you, doing this yarn with you. Thank it's you. It's great to be here. Um, like your place, like your country, one of my countries, a couple of hours north of Sydney. So for those who listen, listening who might know that sort of New South Wales country, it's just sort of Taree Foster and I live up in the sort of Great Dividing Range. So up in Gloucester, born in Gloucester, which is where I'm going, not a freshwater country. So just sort of on the mountains that look down into those oceans. So so it's very much, a, very much mountain people. So I'm used to seeing freshwater and snow and those types of mm. things. So I'm, I'm built for cold. Um, <laughs>
0: oh, welcome to Oto right. Christchurch. Yeah, exactly. You'll fit right in. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so lovely. Can you tell me a little bit more, you um, now please correct me if I, if I use terminology incorrectly mm. as well But my understanding is tribes are known as, as mobs Is mm. that correct? Or is, that, is there tribal differences? Or... Well, we,
1: we do tend to talk about um, There's a structure, if you like, of clans, tribes and nations mm-hmm. um, And nations really are more of a construct mm-hmm. That's emerged in, um, in Western systems Yes, Because in fact, the way we are connected is through language So our language are are those things that bind us. Mm. So Gatang language, which is that language that travels pretty much up most of the east coast from Sydney, well, from above Sydney through to um, even as far up as, you know, just sort of Gumbengya country. Um, So four or five different sort of what we might call nation groups, we share language. Mm -hmm. And language is one of the ways we understand the differences across a continent as large as Australia. Because there are, of course, 250 separate languages and five hundred separate nations wow. in the context of our country, mm. um, and we have a relationship with all those those languages and all those countries. But but language is our basis of real definition. We we talk about it a bit. Um, that that sort of clan, tribe, nation construct is, and language construct is quite funny because when you talk to, when we reconstruct through history, this idea of who are you? You know, who's your mob is a standard conversation we mm-hmm. often have with each other over there. Given there's so many of them, you have mm. to know. There's not just a matter of who are you. It's also a matter of what, that, what is our relationship to each other. Sure. Yeah, so, so, so are we allowed to be in relationship or, or <laughs> yeah. what, are, what, are, what are other types of relationship? But one of the things that we uncover more is that so much of this has been recorded wrongly mm. because um, what we find and one of my elders told me this story quite some time ago, and it's, a, it's a beautiful story, but the fact that, that of course, when all the original sort of settlers were interrogating aboriginal people they were asking different types of questions they were asking so where are you from and of course they didn't know where they were from that they, 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 they were the white people didn't know where the from was sure because it was in language yeah. so they say, so what language are you talking or so they they would write these things down so it's not unusual for instance to see people's identities actually incorrectly stated mm. as a language group or as a nation group, mm. or as a clan group, and all, all of them get mixed up yeah. in strange ways. So in, in, in proper language, in proper way of thinking about it, yeah, we talk about skin group structures and totemic structures. Our relationships are totemic and through kinship arrangements.
2: Mm.
1: Um, we talk about clans, Wurrungulnara, freshwater people, freshwater clan, um, and we talk about nations being waramai. So, so it's, it's a long introduction because you have to give yeah. a whole lot of information because yeah. the information tells everything.
0: Absolutely. About our world. Absolutely. um,
1: And where we are placed then with each other. Yeah. Including what relationships we might have. So the the ipai is a a skin group structure. So what is our skin group? And that that tells others that I know or am connected to where to place me. Am am I their grandfather culturally? Am I their Ah. son culturally? How does it sit? How do we sit around the circles with each other? Sure. Um, So all those things are encoded in those types of introductions. Beautiful. Which is... um, We don't tend to go into that level of detail.
0: Mm. (laughs) But but it's actually, I'm really pleased that you are because I'm making all of these connections. So we have tribes, or iwi Mm. as we call them, and they are essentially post-colonisation constructs. Mm. Um, The word existed in our language, but it Mm. comes from koiwi, which means bones. And Mm. um, iwi essentially were a cluster of what we uh, now know as hapu, and hapu were, were sub-tribes, um, or that's at least how it was translated. And um, and hapu were our unique identifiers. And so when we introduce ourselves in terms of identity, uh, we um, we connect to mountains, to maunga, to awa or rivers or a body of water, a similar, you know, a close by body of water. And essentially... Really it was a GPS locator, mm. you know, for me to say, you know, um Ngāti te hapu, my, my hapu is Ngāti tāhinga. and, you know, just in case you're wondering, it's close to this mountain and it's close mm. to this body of water and it was a way of deeply connecting ourselves to, to whenua, to land. And um, we, we personify elements of our environment and I've, I know a very small amount of, of um, various cultural narratives from Te Whenua Moya, which is a beautiful kupu Māori for Australia, it means the dream time land. Um, and i understand that that's similar in 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 many of your cultural narratives across um your nations that that personifying aspects so of our environment so we talk about descending from our mountains and our mountains are our ancestors and they have stories and they have genders and some of the stories are amazing you know this mountain fell in love with that mountain and then they fell out and so that one retreated over there you know there's beautiful stories of our mountains and aspects of our environment uh, including cautionary tales Uh, we have um, tanifa which are um, well I mean I guess uh they could and have been referred to as as monster type <laughs> beings I guess and for young children you know, um, but they are guardians um they're fierce often and uh, they guard uh areas of an, an environmental areas and tanifa are often in our stories are often in places where there has been something that has happened or that cautions us not to spend time there or build a house there or be there. So, so all of our narratives really lead us um, in law, L-O-R-E or tikanga as we call it. They lead us to know and understand how to live alongside the land and how to um, ensure we're being guardians. So is any of that or drawing connections with, with some of your narratives?
1: Uh, look, there's, there's lots of deep relationships in that way of thinking about our relationship with place. Um, one of the things that we talk about often in our culture is that we're not people... Um, we don't belong to a postcode or a geography or a suburb or a town... Mm-hmm. We are people of place. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, not just, it's not just a concept of belonging somewhere. It's a concept of being born for the purpose of that place. So our language, Gatang language, we are taught comes from the mountain, comes from the grass, mm. comes from the trees. It's not my language. It was given to us by our world. Beautiful. Um, it, it knows it. it. It listens for it. Mm. When we are in country, speaking a language, engaging in culture, it it, it it enlivens the landscape because wow. it's the language of the landscape. It's yeah. their language. Yeah. We are speaking their language. We didn't make it up. It was given to us. Beautiful. Which is why we have so many different languages. Mm-hmm. Because different places and the and the birds will sound different in different places. Well they'll say things and they'll respond to you differently in different places based on the language of that particular place. So we talk about the fact that that um obviously as human beings we all seek to describe our world. We all seek to understand our world. And so the Western model is to put names on things yeah. in something as though it's discovered, which is one of <laughs> those things that we find fascinating, of course, in our cultures, um, or that it explains it in some way. Um, it's a river, so they so give it a name of something. But but in in our languages, we talk about the fact that, no, it's not just a river. That that river at this particular point has a particular purpose. Um, and so that river might change its name multiple times based on the purpose we might sit with that mm. part of this part of the river um, so the waterway itself may have a, a long name Rambo serpent story that carries it all the way through from beginning to its end but different places have different power have different purpose and we would sit in different places for different reason so the places give us their names mm. um, it's not just us saying that's where Fred sat or that's where Joe discovered it or some white fellow wandered on with a with a horse and a sheep and decided it was his <laughs> um, it's a different type of Understanding of the way landscape works, but it is um, it's one of the one of the things about for a culture that's one hundred thousand years old. One of the things about place that's quite important is that we have discovered. One of the things I find so impressive, and I know it's easy to be to be proud of your own culture, but one of the things that I find I'm most impressed by with Aboriginal culture. Is the, is the deep relationship with place when most other people and certainly the Western system as it pres- presently sits doesn't understand it. Mm. So we talk about in Australia the fact that much of Australia as we understand it today clings desperately to the coast. Mm. You know, in these cities huddled around the coastal mm. spaces, five large capital cities and the rest of it is still, you know, quite vacant.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And, and we talk about the fact that that's because they are terrified of the country. You know, the most Western people, and they would argue if it's economics and infrastructure, sure, that's one way of understanding it, but there's also, there still is a fear of of what sits beyond those mountains, Mm. what that great interior looks like. But in our cultures, 500 nations occupied that, occupied those spaces. And when you look at maps of the way, even though they're a bit crude, those maps that talk about relationship or language, um, people were everywhere. There were a million people in that continent when they said there was no one. Wow. Um, and they were all over the place in different sorts of ways. And we talk about the fact that we have lots of story. You mentioned cautionary tale. We have lots of stories that are interpreted often as cautionary, but they're also deeply loving stories about mm-hmm. the place. And there's one in particular given to me by an elder of my country, my, my cultural grandfather there, Dumble Paul Gordon. He's a Nyenpa man, and Yempa country is sort of in western New South Wales. For people listening or familiar, that's sort of in the Bawarana, um, you know, um, western parts of New South Wales, red dirt country, rock mm-hmm. country. There's a Nyempa story about the fact that it's one of my favourite stories about um, Biami who's the creator being of that particular country, um, and frankly, most of New South Wales. He's a sky being who travelled to the earth and gave life to mother and created landscapes and ancestral beings and put law and gave us law. Um but he was, the pe- he was putting people in different places. And the Empire people, he put them in that p- this particular country. It's a pretty harsh country. It's a pretty rugged country. Mm. It's rocky. It's red. It's difficult country. Um, and they'll say, well, actually, you know, can we – there's some – look looks like some better stuff over there.
0: The views are better over that That's way. Right.
1: Closer to the river. Can we go over that yeah. sort of way? And, um, and spend time over there. And he said, no, this is your country. Mm. This country has everything you will ever need in this country. And and so um, you must stay in this country. This is your country. And they have a story about the fact that, well, over time, they were losing young people as they would travel and say, I come out of here. I'm, I'm going, I've heard there's some good stuff over there. I'm headed over that way. And they would, they would despair about the loss of their, of their young people mm. disappearing. So they went to ask Biami about, so our people are going? They're heading off in that direction and we don't see them again. He said, I know where they're going. Just, just follow me and I'll show you where they're going. And he takes them over to the river. Um, a, a different country takes them over that country, and it says, see, "See that? See so the river? They cross the river. There's one young bloke crossing the river, and he gets eaten by a big black, brim, big black fish. And um, and it's I told you, <laughs> this is your country over here. Yeah, this country is perfect. Stay for on this side. This country is safe. It has everything yeah. you ever need. And and so there's a that sounds like a cautionary tale, about yes. no, no, just just do what you. But it's actually a loving story. But the fact, no, your country has everything you need,
0: absolutely no matter how
1: harsh or difficult and yeah and when we translate that into into a modern understanding of place and this is what's difficult for most frankly every system on the planet misunderstands this because we are the only oldest culture a hundred thousand years doesn't exist anywhere else in the world so that, so understanding that what that meant is that people were perfectly evolutionarily adaptate adapted to those landscapes. They had become the landscape. Mm. They had become people of that country. Um, they became rock people. And so all of their culture, all of their story, all of their language comes from that. And they're different to my people, mm. you know, different to coastal people and, and, and saltwater people and freshwater people over my way. So people talk about as Aboriginal Australia as though well, it's a thing, but over 100,000 years, we are many different things. Yes. And we share law, we share principles of obligation, and we share language and responsibility, and we share a range of things. But ultimately... When you've got 100,000 years to do it, you build different evolutionary adaptation mm. to be in the place you are mm. in. And that, that, as I say, we've never mapped that or modelled that anywhere else in the world. But nor have you mapped the fact that to do that successfully with 500 separate nations without prisons or borders yeah. or wars um, and to have it destroyed in 200 years, those relationships of governance and shared obligation and responsibility, um, it's a system that we will never again see. No. um in the, in in the future of humanity that's taking us down a dark path before we even start this year properly so
0: can you can i ask you a question that um i I, w- I want this to come out as a as a genuinely honest question but and i think there's so much information about culture but are uh, are your nationhood your people our aboriginal people Nomadic as walk about a th- like was that a thing? Because when you're talking about nationhood, but did they shift like? It, it, it occurred to me in your story about you know this is your country and 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 don't go over that river and I was like gosh I feel like there's so much misinformation because I I was brought up you know that that they just moved everywhere all around the country you know that was naively well, that's, no I that, guess, that's it. It,
1: that's actually a, a true and important story too so so people are people of place yes. and so people are given responsibility for place as well as given everything from place. Love and care and food and nurturing mm. and culture mm. of place, but an important part of our structures um, was also to recognise and it's an inbuilt governance system and risk management system built to share law mm. and to share story. So it wasn't just an irrelevant wandering, which is the misunderstanding. You know, These yes. people just wandered about aimlessly, yes. just walked around no <laughs> That's right. No, it was actually it was actually a complex structure of embassy yeah. um, and 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 law holding and law carrying. So I, I, I am very privileged to live um, on Wanaroa country, which is a country that sits under a sacred mountain. Um, and that mountain was a great ceremonial place for all everybody in New South Wales and across the country. Um, people are familiar with Uluru of course. Um, this is if you like a Uluru of the East, it's, mm-hmm. it's quite mm-hmm. sacred. Most people don't know about it, which we still which is extraordinary mm-hmm. still, but anyway. But um, possibly
0: a good thing, is I don't mind that
1: keep
2: it quiet.
1: But um but 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 back it, of course, in traditional time, people would travel from all over the, all over the country mm. and walk for months and years to attend ceremony at this particular wow. place. And so even that's an extraordinary concept. Yeah. But to walk for months and years from, say, Larakee country, Northern Territory, to wanarua country was a journey of years. So to know when to do that, yep. to know how to do that, to know what to do along that way, it was all about these relationships of responsibility. So I mentioned at the top of our yarn about um, skin group structures and totemic relationship and, and where we sit in relationship to each other. Those systems were worked out about our embassy. They were worked out about so I can travel anywhere in the country and after a five or ten minute conversation with, 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 with that person, understand what is our relationship. Mm-hmm. What is our formalised cultural responsibilities to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, we may be of whole different nation groups and whole different systems of language, but we will have responsibilities to each other. Mm. And I might have law for that country, or they might have law for me. Mm. They may be in holding our stuff. So it's one of the great things about, you know, such a large continent and so many different systems of law or, or systems of culture. Then one of the things that um, is important, we talk about this now, and maybe this is relevant to, to think about moving us into the energy yarn because I'm not happy to this all day, but... No, this
0: is all to do with energy. The energy yeah. of relationships and exactly, people is... Exactly, exactly. That's right.
1: It, yeah. And so one of the things that um, that people often talk about, and frankly, we've just uh, it's worthwhile saying to your listeners um, that this is a particular moment in time, both mm. for Australia and for New Zealand. Yeah. The, the momentous events occurred for our nation yesterday as for yours in terms of change of government, but for ours... We had a repudiation of of an of an invitation from Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to walk with us, to be in relationship with us, to recognise us constitutionally, and to open their hearts to the truth of that history mm-hmm. of that nation, which was firmly rejected by the whole nation, as it turns out. Um, which is not which is not surprising to people of my age and cultural experience. Um, it's saddening and disappointing, but I make the point that some of the excuse that that is used is, oh, that culture's gone. It's dead. doesn't matter. Why, why, we, why would we do that? If they could just move on. We had literally a, a, a prime minister only a couple ago on on, on um, in radio over the last week or two talking about the fact that I just need to get over it, just to get over that stuff and, and move with the times but because our culture isn't dead. It's a deeply living, breathing mm. thing. And so where there are gaps in some of our cultural knowledge and there are gaps because it was so outrageously destroyed through colonisation mm. – What we do know is that other parts of our country hold law for us. Mm. They carry that law. There are stories of crocodile law that we have in Sydney, in Gadigal country, which, which, you know, it's been a while since there's been some crocodiles there.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And
1: and so that law is often passed and held, held for others. And the relationships I have across country also mean that we carry law for others and they carry law for us. So our mm. culture is never lost. Yes. It, one, it's shared between people and story, but it's also in our in, in our strongly held view. It's held in the landscape for us, mm. waiting for it to be heard and listened to because the law comes from the country.
2: Mm. You just
1: have to listen for it. Mm. So, so law is never lost and culture is never lost. Energy is never lost. Mm. Energy is just a matter of exchange and, and whether you are in the position of being able to to benefit from it right now or what you do for that long-term future of that energy. But, but again, just to emphasize that pride, that, that, that the wisdom of a culture that says in the event of apocalypse, and that was an apocalypse for our people, mm. the introduction of colonial structures, the destruction of our people, the murder of, of mm. and a whole you know, thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people over time. Um, but in the event of apocalypse, we need to build a system of protection.
2: Mm.
1: We need to build a system that protects the law and keeps it safe for everybody by sharing it around, by connecting with everybody and being an embassy with everybody, including a Yotaroa, including a Māori peoples mm-hmm. over here. You know, the embassy was was across the water and across up, up north. We, we shared embassy in a loving... Well, I'm sure there might have been some interesting meetings on the beach.
0: <laughs> between Absolutely. Between I'm sure. But,
1: um, but it would have been a recognition of cultures coming together for the purpose of that shared knowledge, not for the purpose of conquering or owning or displacing, which is a very different model of, um, of invasion.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting. I, I'm struck by similarities, but also by differences. And, um, and again, and this happens on the regular, just in awe of indigenous Indigenous practices Um, You know we have the benefit of Writing things down now And (laughs) preserving thought And um, in in modern days This recording You know becomes something That could hold knowledge And preserve and protect um, That mataranga Or that Indigenous kōrero And knowledge that, that we're having today our ancestors had to find other ways to like you said um, and I loved that you know that that other nations and other tribes might hold and care for that that narrative and that law for another another nation for a time until you know at, at a point where it's it's almost gifted here here it is we've cared for it and and this is the story um do you see? correlations I guess between I get a sense uh, globally there is more than ever despite recent events in both of our countries more than ever there's an interest in uh, in the western world saying well okay Maybe there's something in this indigenous knowledge. <laughs> you know, maybe we should just sit down and ask a little bit about sustainable use of resources and um, and how energy was preserved and used um, within nations and for the purpose of, of people's lives, but also in a way that protected the environment long term. So are you seeing... Um, a, an interest from the Western world—are they banging on the door to say, "Can we have a conversation with you?"
1: Look, I, I mean, the the, the the short answer is absolutely,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the longer answer is a little more uncomfortable, I think. And and I'm again, I'm very mindful of the moment that that that, that we're in, and yeah. and the, and the the relationship to recent events, but because they it's 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 wanted from an extractive perspective. Yes. It's wanted because oh, what can you do for us?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um
1: and can you just leave all that stuff we don't want to know about out?
0: Absolutely. Can
1: you leave all that sort of impoverishment and all the destruction we cause? Can you just not talk about that? Yeah. Can you just talk about the good things you can do for us? Mm-hmm. Um the reality is that our culture is a living culture. It's a culture based in people, um, based in people and exchange and knowledge and the way we relate to place, so you can't just take the bits of it, um, and and there is a, there is a danger in extracting the bits of it, because you take away not just the nuance and the complexity, but you may in fact end up hurting more, because everything we do in culture um, is a product of custodial curatorial responsibilities. Mm. That goes so much deeper than so how do I make money from mm. this or or how do I do this better um, there is a pretty straightforward answer to how we do it better, and that is go away <laughs> stop doing it yeah. <laughs> um, yeah you know there's there's an easier way of solving it um because what people actually want you to say is look we want to get we still want to make lots of money what frankly want to make more money than we were yesterday. We want the power still to be concentrated away from you in the hands of those with power. Um, We all want to get richer and happier and healthier. Um, We want the economic system to continue to grow. But can you then just help us fix the bit at the edge? And the one thing about all indigenous cultures is we understand that everything has cost and consequence. Mm. Um, That's what deep knowledge systems tell you. Nothing is growth forever growth forever is a curse it's a danger thing it's it's a, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a malignancy it's not a successful thing mm. you know something that grows out of control is a malignancy it's not something to be applauded mm. it's something to be concerned about and managed which is what curation and custodial responsibilities mean so yes there's a great deal of hunger there's enormous appetite and we as as cultures and this is the nature of indigenous cultures all over the world is we're in this planet too <laughs> We're in the systems too. We want it to be successful, um, but we want it to. But we, but we know that to be successful requires consequence, people to accept the consequence. Mm. Um, and so we want to help. And it's a very generous. Indigenous people are always generous mm-hmm. with knowledge, with the commitment to help things change. But that generosity is never reciprocated. It's never even respected, really. Mm. It's performative, often, in terms of. Oh look here! Can you come and have a chat with us? Speak at a conference, do these sorts of things, Um, and it makes those people in the audience feel good who are willing to listen, and it allows others in the audience to just put that cute little cultural bow on something and say, "Oh yeah, we invited the indigenous person along, and they said some stuff which was wacky and cute, but frankly, I don't know how to turn that into a corporate solution." So, business as usual tomorrow. That's
0: right. I don't know if you heard um, Taika Waititi speaks recently. but he made a joke which um, you know wasn't even a joke from his perspective but everybody laughed and he said you know all of us who are indigenous worldwide we could do so much more if you'd stop asking us to come and speak at your conferences <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know you want us to get on and do but you keep bringing us in here to do things like this and um and i was struck by that because there i'm aware that um we're in a place where we want to educate and we want to encourage allyship and we want non-indigenous people to more deeply understand appreciate respect and advocate for indigenous rights from an allyship perspective and that is going to require uh, generosity of, of of spirit which we're not short on like you said and most indigenous people are incredibly generous um and it's going, to, uh, it's going to require us to bite our tongue a wee bit <laughs> because the beginning of that journey is awkward and fraught and there's a lot of like, mis- you know, missteps along the way. Um, but I'm also aware, and I'm interested in your perspective, one of the questions we potentially need to have a conversation about um, as Indigenous people is what, what are we going to share Mm-hmm. and what will stay just for us mm-hmm. uh, because I am um, and you beautifully articulated this responsibility we have to the land but also to each other and also to the preservation of our cultural practices and our law um, so I and I don't know that we're all going to agree because we are a uh, we're a diverse group of Indigenous people anyway, but do you, do you think there's something in this time, this, this conversation we need to have about what we will share and what we won't share, and how fraught is that?
1: I'm certainly feeling that very acutely right now yeah. in Australia, that um, the one response to something like the referendum result is to simply say, well, stuff you. I yeah. think I'd pick a stronger word Ex- if it if, if if yeah. wasn't recording. Absolutely, um, yeah. And you know what? We're withdrawing. And I often make the comment at these conferences yeah. constantly I get invited to is that, look, you're all sitting here asking these questions and you're all feeling good because there's somebody in the conversation that, that ticks particular boxes. But I just need you to really understand that if if you look around at your Indigenous friends and they're no longer there and they've gone bush, you need to pack your bags because we're not gonna protect you anymore. Yeah. We are simply when we've gone, you've got nothing. Yeah. Um and I don't mean when we've died. I mean seriously when we've just gone bush. Yeah. We, because we, we talk about we understand these patterns and these systems, we can see the change before it happens, and we've gone bush, you're all in trouble. Um and audiences get think that's funny. I'm I'm seriously trying uh, to give them a yeah. warning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Warning. <laughs> um but <clears throat> but on the point about the about what we keep for ourselves, we're very mindful that that um We've, we've, we've actually been quite good at that as a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually quite funny to observe what people think indigenous culture is, Aboriginal culture in Australia is, because of course, yes, they talk about things like dream time story, which of course is their word, not our word. Yeah. Nurempa or other words uh. means something for us. Um, we, we will talk about dreaming, the dreaming, but it's it's a, it's a way of understanding time and space and place and, relationships across time and space it's a it's a it's a quantum physics concept as much as it is a descriptor um but anyway that's, that's probably a bit deep to get into yeah. this moment but um but but we have always kept our stories so people often talk about dream time stories as though that's the ben that's all there was to culture and there's some and there's many of those stories people are familiar with many of those stories and they they read them at a in a particular way and they sound quite cautionary um and quite simplistic and quite childlike and they think, is that it? Like is that all the culture's got? Is a dreamtime story? And we just don't say anything. Yeah,
0: nod, nod that's and right. smile. That, exactly. Because
1: because of course they're hearing that that's the kindergarten story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we didn't you know, no. our old people didn't give the stories that mattered yeah. to these idiots who stumble about checking names and handing out poison blankets. Yeah. Like we weren't giving them our sacred knowledge. Yeah. We were keeping that. So that's... we still have deeply sacred ceremony, deeply sacred and secret processes that, mm. that are part of our culture. And, of course, every story does have many, many layers to it. How we involve people in those stories is about their readiness. And that's the one thing I'd say to you that, that we're wrestling with a little, is that, um, is that the way we have historically done that as cultures, in most cultures, mm-hmm. um, is we have recognised that becoming an elder or a knowledge holder is a process That takes a lifetime. And people don't get given that knowledge at five. They earn that Mm. through responsibility, through demonstration, through learning, through process. Um and, you know, we often talk about the fact of that in our culture we talk about in, in our language, Gatang language, we talk about the idea of we call Burai, which is children. And um, you know, Burai are not given knowledge, they're we love them. They're, they're protected. They're mm. beautiful. Mm. They can do no harm. Our children are just loved. We don't expect them to be, mm. you know, to doing things. They, they will do things as they learn because they want to. They want to be doing things, but it's not a responsibility. They're given responsibility when they were given law. Mm. And when you are given law through ceremony, through process, you then have responsibilities. And, of course, law has many layers and many journeys that are part of those laws. It's not just a matter of you're initiated, that's it. You Now you are an elder. Mm. There's a long journey of process. Um so one one of the thing, one of the ways we understand that in the context of present society is that everybody is just a child um
0: it doesn't and, it doesn't matter how old they are they're still like exactly right. on exactly their exactly journey right. exactly yeah,
1: yeah and and so until that person demonstrates to us that they are no longer a child yeah. that they are prepared to accept the responsibility and be in a position of law holding, they are a child. Mm. Um so people think that you know that, that that somehow there's a fetishized or infantilized version of what indigenous culture is. Now it's the reverse. Mm. We see the entire population as children. Because they are by mm-hmm. definition children. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. as, um culturally, in terms of knowledge holding. Yeah. Um so that, that that cuts both ways, unfortunately. It creates a problem because when 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 people are children, you can ask them to be responsible. But you can't require it of them because they haven't been properly educated. So it's a process of education. So the question, the way I would frame the question you asked me about what do we do, um, what do we hold from these people, is we hold everything back from these yeah. people yeah. because we are, are seeking to educate them. But it is one of the things that is central to our culture is our responsibilities to the system, principal responsibility, that's a primary obligation, but secondly, responsible to bring people into that system, mm. to, to educate to teach people how to operate and re- meet their responsibilities in that system, so we are an educative people. Mm. Most indigenous cultures are focused constantly on educating, so that's why we spend time at conference. Why we spend these times not not because there's any particular glory in it. Humility is a centre of our culture but because we must educate. Yeah. So it's we're caught. We're caught on this on the on the on the sharp edge of that sword, that we need to educate them so they can understand their responsibilities, but they are children. Um, and they are unwilling to face into those responsibilities, mm. so we're caught constantly in that particular dilemma.
0: It's so it's so interesting. I really liked. Um, we feel similar about our tamariki, our young children. Their job is to be children, and we've got a Faka a Toki or a proverb that um, basically, uh, uh, I think it's Kotemahi mahi the Tamaiti uh, kide wah wa wah. Wa. Uh, waha te taha. So uh, the job of the child is to break calabashes, and so um, you know the young children, the old people would give them the the gourds to go down to the river to fill up for water, and they would to and fro all day, and they would break them, and um, their parents would be going insane at the children breaking the calabashes, and the old people would say, no, 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 that's what that's what they're meant to do like that's the learning, right? That they were actually setting them up, knowing they were going to break them and that the learning and the conversations and actually their kids and kids break things and that's part of the journey. So um, I always think about that in terms of knowledge acquisition as well, that actually you're going to break some stuff and, and part of that will be you figuring out, what did I do to break that and how, how can I um, do this better and what's part of my journey?
1: Our people were probably slightly more... Um, scarce of resources, so we didn't we didn't celebrate so much of the breaking of things. <laughs>
0: what, 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 what did, you would have been upset about that. <laughs> we did, what, what we, we had lots of gourds. That's I'm right. assuming that's right. You
1: yeah, probably have more mm-hmm. coconuts growing and other sorts of tools that might have been able to create that. But what we did certainly focus focus on a central principle is that children's job is only just to look and listen yes, and learn. Yeah, just, not not to be responsible for it. Mm. Just but to to look and to listen. Yeah um and so acquiring knowledge and experience before they've even tried it of course at some point they must try yeah and then they will break something but if they try without having looked and listened yeah then they are just going to break things Mm. so there's a there's even a journey for the children in that regard but it's just an important point because there's something another way of thinking about this is an african proverb that goes a little to this point that i think is 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 important to say that um that in in that sort of indigenous cultures over there, they speak to the idea that that a boy who doesn't become a man will burn the village down.
2: Hmm. And
1: Hmm. so this is one of the truths of our present world is that these are all children. Children are running the world and they're burning the village down Hmm. because we have lost those processes of transition. Yeah. We've lost those processes of responsibility. Now, Now you get it because you've applied for a job um somehow mm. you, you you get somehow you're now responsible well where was the training that went to that Where was it yeah. was the cultural responsibility that went to that the decades of learning and engaging that went to that i mean we we um you know one of the things that particularly riles um those of us in uh in sort of cultural spaces in in australia and you will have heard this perhaps in your travels over there that we there's a lot of performative language around things like welcome to country or acknowledgements yes. of country and so most of the acknowledgements of country in the public sector, and frankly in a lot of corporate Australia now, talk to the idea of, of, um, of past, present, and emerging elders. Yes,
0: I've heard that several times.
1: There's no such thing as an emerging elder.
0: Yeah, I you know, wondered doesn't... what that meant actually. What it yeah. meant is
1: somebody trying to make everybody happy. Yeah, it's certainly not a cultural concept. Yeah. Um, and this is it's it's great great so you don't get to decide you an emerging yeah, elder. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, um Yeah. That that's something gifted to you by your community. Mm. It's a responsibility you are given. It's not something that you get to emerge into because you.
0: Oh, I because thought it might have been part. elders in training or something. Right. Potentially, they're right. in the training we program. We don't,
1: have, <laughs> we don't have those types of L plates on our car. Yeah, but, um, but that, that, that that. So it's just an example of how this stuff has been framed as though everybody can get it and everybody gets access to knowledge, though they don't. They still mm. don't. And and one of the one of the things that's beautiful about what's happening in Australia is that. You mentioned there's a hungriness on the Western communities' side for the knowledge that our communities hold. There's also an extraordinary hunger from our young Indigenous people yes. um, who aren't always, for, for all the reasons we understand, who aren't always able to participate in culture. Mm. It may have been taken from them. They may have lost it through a whole lot of inter- intergenerational trauma. Um, and they are hungry. And so, part of our job as cultural people is to find and support those young people into mm. culture, because that's what will make our culture strong um so even in my corporate life and i mean I'm a partner I'm in a professional services firm, which is a you know sometimes a an odd thing to admit but um but even in that in that world, I get a fun so much of my work is is young people wanting to work in large consulting companies um and they meet the requirements. For indigenous, which is not particularly um, of interest to me, what the what the legal requirements are, but they have no culture, yeah, um, and they're and so they're asked to represent something that they don't mm. understand at all. Mm. They're asked to be in a workplace and be Aboriginal when they know nothing about what that actually mm. means, other than the lived experience of growing up Aboriginal, which is itself a story. It is, it is itself a, a hardship. That's a social hardship mm. or a political hardship, but it's not a cultural story. It's about A social system of understanding what aboriginality means not a cultural understanding so i take very seriously my responsibility to to shepherd and support mentor people into that cultural relationship because that's when they come alive up until that point i even see amongst young aboriginal people that most of their emotion is angry is anger because they've seen the trauma and the injustices um, of their parents and their grandparents which was my story too but until you understand and engage the culture, that the injustice is there, and we should feel bad about that. But the bigger injustice is the world needs to change and needs our culture to help it change. So we can sit around banging about human rights issues or political issues or legal constructs. I'm a lawyer by background. Those things don't matter. Um, what matters is what role can culture play in fixing the world.
0: And that's actually a question that was bubbling around in my head as I was listening to you speak um where you know even our co our, our our big topic today is talking about energy can indigenous solutions and should actually indigenous solutions be leveraged be engaged for essentially what are western colonial problems
2: <laughs> mm.
0: well look at
1: <clears throat> one of the things that's quite important i think for the West to understand is that no problem that exists today hasn't existed before. Yeah. Um, We have understood it and experienced it and told story about it, including capitalism. We have story in our culture about the fact that particular mob up Queensland way, Who gave that a go for a bit? Um, (laughs) Decided it was a pretty bad idea.
0: Yeah, (laughs) um, didn't work so well. Didn't didn't Um, didn't make friends.
1: (laughs) And by by that I mean more the idea of how do we acquire capital? How do you begin to hoard things to yourself? Mm. Which is a concept of capital. How do you own things? Our culture was not a culture about ownership. Mm. Other than responsibility was the issue. Two fundamental differences. A matter of Western law. That's a concept of property versus responsibility or rights versus responsibility. Two different, whole different ends of a spectrum but um but in terms so so the reason i say it that way is because we don't think about solutions that indigenous cultural systems and knowledge systems focus on the idea do we properly understand the problem first so because the solution actually takes care of itself Mm. if you understand the problem first um and so it's true that we get invited into the solutions but that's But the solutions are usually... So we've got these five things. Can you tell us which one's the best one to apply to this particular problem? (laughs) No, no, you've actually got the problem the wrong way around. Um, So power or energy as a problem um, in terms of how do we solve for a transition in terms of energy Mm. or how do we adjust the world from a decarbonisation strategy, they are all solutions to a problem. But what is, in fact, the problem? So decarbonisation is often seen as, so what can we build that allows us to continue to carbonize the hell out of the planet.
0: And make up for it, like a scale. That's right, a, a, yeah. an offsetting scale Yes, structure. an offsetting that's right. scale. So, so, so
1: we don't want to slow anything down on the carbon no. construction. We just want to speed things up on yeah. the carbon deconstruction.
0: <laughs> um, Add something else to the mix. That's right, yeah. that's right.
1: And, and that's, that, of course, makes some sense from a Western perspective, but it makes no sense from an indigenous knowledge mm. perspective which says if you know that you know, shoving a knife into your leg hurts, stop shoving the yeah. knife into your leg. <laughs> you know,
0: that's <laughs> right. Mocking Find them. another way to edge your leg. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right.
1: That's right. Um, so on energy, I mean, and, and and when I say that, and the important part of the story about energy, by the way, from certainly from an Aboriginal culture perspective, you, you, you may well know this, but um, but something we don't always talk about or rather doesn't often make it into the public domain is that um, our cultural knowledge systems are deeply um, gendered? Yes. Um, in a, in a beautiful and powerful way, because our culture was a culture that valued women's knowledge mm-hmm. and, and respected law holding by women. In fact, we talk about in in our culture, Western New South Wales, New South Wales culture, talk about the fact that women held the law. Mm. Um, they were the law. Um, men were given law only after we'd earned it, mm. <laughs> only after we were trusted sufficiently. Um, which took some time, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, and even then within boundaries of authority and responsibility.
2: Mm.
1: Different, but different models of law. Now, it's necessary to have different models of law because there are different forces at play. Mm. There are different things, ways of understanding the world. But even that's important. So there are, there, there, are, there are feminine aspects of energy, and there are male aspects of energy, and how are those things navigated? It's not just a thing. It isn't just something constructed in a laboratory. It's something that has different purpose and different functions, so you've got to go right back to the beginning of the energy system to understand what the what the problem is, in order to build the right solution for it. Mm. And that's and what we see in the West is insufficient willingness to have a bigger conversation about yeah. about the causes of energy. So right now, I mean, for instance, just used to use the decarbonisation strategy. So that's a, if, and even if we flip it into a Western system, because I spend most of my life, you know, in that sort of translationary space, because the West is. Even that yarn we've just been having, you know, If it's not already the case, many people may have already turned their stories off, <laughs>
0: turned the
1: podcast off, because so many people are unwilling to properly sit in a cultural conversation.
0: Yeah,
1: they want to know how do I turn that into something practical for my economic opportunity or for my Western solution set. Um, so I spend my time sitting between those. Well, say no, don't, don't, please don't mishear what we're talking about. We are talking about science. We're talking about economics. We're talking about business. Mm. We are to- these might be framed, but we've been at this for a very long time. That's right, and um, made
0: mistakes too. That's right, right? made yeah. mistakes,
1: learned from them, told yes. stories about them, so yeah. that people don't make those same mistakes that's again. Right. <laughs> that's right. It's sort yeah. of uh, these are things we these are things we um, we frame from those solutions. So I just want to make sure that the listeners are are seeing this is this is a science conversation. It's mm. not just a cultural story, which is fun to fun to listen to. So, from a science perspective, if we if we flip it into the concepts of the you know the, the first and second laws of thermodynamics, you know concepts of energy um, not being able to be destroyed, first law, second law in terms of systems towards or the exchange between systems and concepts of entropy, they are they are cultural stories. So, the decarbonisation one is a good one. When you build, you know, when you construct carbon or carbonise a space, the whole planet in one particular system, then you don't necessarily the the consequence of that is creating carbon that overflows the system and destroys the rest of other systems, mm-hmm. the natural systems, the air systems, all these other sorts of systems. So just constructing a solution to that particular problem is just creating another system, yeah. which doesn't hasn't fixed this system. It's just all you're doing is having... So you get these action consequence, action consequence, when when our systems are meant to be whole systems. So rather than re, rather than creating multiple systems that simply offset each other, Hoping to re, to re, to get to zero, that's not the way thermodynamics works. It's mm. not the way physics works. It's not the way science works. Is all you're ever doing is creating ever diminishing return because at some point those systems will exchange with each other. That's what systems do. Mm. Um, so we know that in river systems, in water systems, in natural systems, in air systems, in in economic systems, in business systems, in political systems. Mm. So without wanting to 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 speak for something that I don't properly understand. Um, because I don't want to pretend that I know anything about New Zealand politics, but it might be easier for me to speak to it than I don't to than... any
0: of us do after last <laughs> night. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but,
1: but, that's, but, but but my reading of that, just as an example, is that that was also wholly foreseeable mm. because when you have a system that gives rise to a particular energy, a particular form of action, in the case of Prime Minister Ardern, and then you construct, then you mess with that system in particular ways by the removal of that particular Prime Minister and things happen, then nature abhors vacuums. Entropy system, systems lead into entropy. Mm. They, they give the outrise of something else that's new. So people say, "Ah, well, I, now we've got something to change for." All they are interested in is the movement, not fixing those systems. Mm. So rather than so, this is what happens all the time. You know, is that is that systems don't get? We don't spend enough time actually thinking about fixing the system. We simply try to create a new solution that will offset that system. Yeah. Um, and so we get all these ever diminishing sort of returns. Mm.
0: So, so we're not having the right conversations Mm -hmm. and, um, and to have the right conversations, we need the right people at the table and we need to, I think, have a diverse perspective of voice and experience. And we need to listen as much as we speak, I think. Um, can you just at a real surface level, uh, if you didn't have a depth of understanding of of what energy is, and you had a very surface level, like it's to do with power and powering our homes, and and if you had that sort of level of understanding of energy, one might be mistaken for saying, well, this is a Western scientific concept wasn't around. They didn't have houses and light bulbs and power and cars and, and fuel and things in, in the time of our ancient cultures. Can, can you talk to that in terms of your understanding of energy from um, a, uh, an, a First Nations Aboriginal tribal sense and, and what historically, what form that took?
2: Mm, well,
1: <clears throat> it is interesting. I, I do recognise that people think energy... Is, is somehow modern power systems. Yes. But the, but the reality is that all of those modern power systems operate from ancient energies, mm-hmm. be it fossil fuels yes. or things. That, yeah. So they were stored energies. They were, they were systems of stored energy. So just as a small matter of interest, for instance, people, people are not familiar with the fact that, that fossil fuels, in particular coal, um, is in fact um, an historic construct, obviously. It was created through a particular moment in history when the trees were able to um, die at a particular moment in time when the microbial constructs of the planet hadn't yet matured to destroy that those trees and bacteria through bacteria and microbial engagement so there's only a window literally a a geological window in time Mm. where coal was constructed coal doesn't get constructed anymore yeah because other life forms have evolved to eat those trees, yeah. So when trees fall in forests, they don't turn to coal. They they they, they get decomposed and mm. deconstructed. So it was, so it's a finite construct It will never happen again. It's not as if it's a renewable concept. Mm. Now I know everyone knows it's not renewable, but I don't think they quite understand that it was actually it was actually a particular moment in the geological geological history of the planet. Mm. So it's stored energy. It's a, it's a mm. story of the planet. Mm. That's an indigenous concept. What yeah. does the planet have to tell us? You mentioned examples of mountains coming together. Your your country being so alive here and the rocks being so having a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> um, and, they, they were
0: up to, some of them up to no good, some of our mountains. <laughs> that's right.
1: And, um, and that's that's an example of the fact that that's a story about the way the country works. Um, we have stories, all sorts of stories about that. And, and they've been mapped to volcanoes, they've been mapped mm. to mountain constructions, um, all these sorts of things. So firstly, all um, all um, fossil fuels have story Um and they are stored energy. In fact, as in a small example about that, there's there's a story about uranium up in up in the Northern Territory, you know, and Wine Systems and all the rest of it. That that was we always our old people up that way always knew that country, and that it had stuff on that country that made people sick. It was called sick country. Oh. Um, so they always knew there was stuff there. Yeah. And then the white fellas go and dig it up. Yeah. And wonder why? Oh, this stuff might create problems. Yeah. And a lot of people knew that. Thousands and thousands mm. of years ago. That's dangerous stuff. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't play yeah. with it. It makes you sick. Um, same thing with things like asbestos, for instance. But um, but stepping into the other side of this, of course, is that we always, all indigenous cultures, harnessed all the other forms of energy, which the Western system is now just beginning to discover. You know, concepts of wind energy. Yes. Or water energy. Water. Or, or, or sun, mm. solar systems. Our people have always understood those things and the principles of energy and constructed story around them. So we understand how winds flow, why winds flow, where mm. they flow. I mean, just a, a another cute example that we often talk about in Australia is that when the uh, explorers were discovering yeah. um, the centre of Australia, um, stumbling through the middle of it with their camels and they're dragging their pianos and bathtubs through the middle of the desert, for some reason thinking that would be useful. <laughs> um, um, There's a story about the fact that all of the old people were trying to help them all the time trying to stop them from dying as they wandered aimlessly through the desert. By the way, being discovering things as they went. Yes. Um, and there and there's a recorded story of the fact that <laughs> one of these blokes just wrote down, look, these people just keep coming and talking to us about this bloody snake, this big snake story. They just keep telling us about this serpent story. Um, we just keep asking them for water. And they keep telling us a story about a snake. Um, so it's useless to us. They're irrelevant. These people don't know what the hell they're talking about. And, of course, what those people were telling was the Rainbow Serpent story. They were mm. trying to show them where the water where was. Where the water was. So this is the story that we understand. Yeah. We have mapped the whole, our old people, mapped the whole water systems of the interior nation and told story about it through Rainbow Serpent story. They were trying to help these idiots stop them from dying yeah. <laughs> by telling them a story. So our people have always understood energy systems and water systems and solar systems and wind systems and, and mapped them through knowledge systems around story or around place or songlines mm. to that effect. So there's nothing new in in the same way that the second law of thermodynamics just, sorry first law of thermodynamics says you, nothing energy can't be destroyed or created it simply exists and can be used and changed and transformed but it can't be destroyed so it's always been there our mm-hmm. people have always understood those stories they're just talking about how they harness them mm. they could do the same thing today if you it, rather than we've got a, a a project going on in Victoria at the moment in, in in Australia where um the Victorian government suddenly got very excited about offshore wind um and their answer to that, of course, is to send all the geothermal scientists out stumbling about the coastlines looking for this offshore winds that they might be able to harness. And, of course, the Aboriginal people have got a story about that. Yes. Which winds flow when, yeah. how often they flow, so how fast e- they flow. That's exactly you That's should right. go. How they, yeah. I mean, they, they, a 10-minute conversation they could <laughs> They still, today, yeah. in, in where are we, 2023, mm. are unwilling to actually have a proper conversation But we could actually help you. But no, you, mm. you, you think this is a cute cultural story. No, it's a story of science mm. that can help you decide things better.
0: Mm. It's interesting because uh, you're talking about winds, and, you know, uh, we, those of us that live in our hemisphere who are indigenous, it's widely undisputed. We're. Um, the best navigators in the world because mm. how did we get to mm. here yeah. um, without all of the tools that other discoverers had at their disposal uh, because we deeply understood and listened and responded to in the environment and um, and I've read a little bit about uh, and it would be interesting to know if there's a similar story in uh, your um, nation narratives um, the cyclic nature of our environment. So, mm. you know, this is going to happen again in 5 years. So, so so our people were future focused in the sense that, you know, because they'd learned to it's almost environmental literacy, isn't mm. it? It's almost this ability to um interpret uh, the environmental signals. Um it's like a frequency and we just happened well, we didn't happen to through a long period of time became on that frequency. Is is that because I'm really aware as I'm talking about that 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 um, some of that is about reindigenizing our people, you know, and, and helping us to retune back into that uh, frequency. And we've started some of that work in Aotearoa We've had Matariki introduced, you know, understanding that we measured time on a um, environmental calendar and not on a lunar exact calendar. Those kinds of things. Um, so some of that is going to be knowledge for us to re- help us to re our people. But but I'm also really struck by the fact that we live in this world now and some of the answers to some of the problems we're facing we could help with. And so, you know, it's, there's a place of turmoil. Well, not turmoil, that's a strong word. There's a... How do we get on and help the world... And protect our knowledge systems and honor our, our law in the same, yeah. There's so, so, a tension, isn't there? Well, it? There's,
1: there's a tension in that I don't know how willing. We, we talked a little bit before about the idea that, that indigenous knowledge constructs understand consequence. Um, and consequence requires action. So, for instance, you also mentioned about nomadicism. So, I'll just I'll go I'll reference that that we have a saying in 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 uh, in our culture about the idea if you don't move with the land, the land will move you. Mm. <laughs> so, so, so this is where some of the walkabout sort of misunderstandings came from that our people were nomadic. They were nomadic because. The land tells them to move. There's yeah. <laughs> yeah. a
0: fire. Time to move That's on. right. Yeah. There's no food
1: here for this season <clears throat> yeah. now. Um, we need to leave that food for next mm. season. So we need to move to go over here because the seasons are changing. Mm. And you're right. The seasons in a Western construct are ridiculous. Um, depending on where you travel in our country, there can be um, anything from five to seven different seasons. Um, and sometimes up, up up, different places. Even within those seven seasons, there are multiple versions mm. of that. Based on animal life, not just on wind and sun and, and um, other weather weather conditions. Um, so if you don't move with the land, the land will move you. So our answer to some of that environmental change was to move. Mm, absolutely. In, in in the present day, people are so fixed in place and so unwilling yeah. to move. So I sort of made the joke before about if, the, if you look around and you can't find any of your Aboriginal community... <laughs> You're already in the wrong spot
0: Yeah, that's right (laughs) You you are already in
1: the wrong place Absolutely (laughs)
0: Something must be going on Because everybody's left out. That's
1: right You're already in the wrong place Yeah, And and so that's that's what I mean By some of the consequences Are unwilling to be entertained Mm. By the Western systems Um, It wasn't just about walking Because we thought That was a fun thing to do It was about being in relationship With the landscape Mm. And it gave you the signals That told you the things to do And when to do them And the Western system Insists on conquering Controlling you know, fixing themselves in place, and and fixing the world around them, you know, building bigger mm. walls, build a big bigger break walls against the ocean. You know, fortressing themselves against sea level rises. Um, I mean, our culture is so old that in, in that in Australia, when you look at the geological maps of the country, Australia used to be ten percent larger.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and our people were out there. Yeah. In the lifetime of the people, the country was ten percent larger. So in the lifetime, we've, our people have lived through two ice ages on, wow. that, con, on that continent. They have learned how to adapt mm. to massive environmental
2: mm-hmm. change,
1: radical, destructive, apocalyptic environmental change, yeah. and they're still there. We are still here. Yeah, I keep saying there because I'm obviously sitting up there all <laughs> <Yes>. rather the <than laughs> home. But um, the, so that idea of, you know, wouldn't you want to listen?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so
1: people who survived a couple of ice ages and massive environmental change who've, who've had their worlds changed. I think it's quite funny. I mean, a small, cute aside to that is that um, people often talk, in fact, around New South Wales that, oh, look, this culture can't be that old because we've only ever got records and artefacts and, and archaeological reports that go back about you know 15,000 years. So, frankly, you're all lying about this stuff. <laughs> but that 15,000 was the last ice age. So, of course... All the other stuff is way out there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's in the 10-kilometre yeah. stuff out yeah. in the water. That's where people used to live. Um, mm. So that it's just the sheer incapacity to understand the scale of time mm. and that when you have a story of a nation over 100,000 years, you have all those stories you're talking about that talk about cycles and consequence and and learning processes of la- of moving when the land moves because otherwise you die. Mm. <laughs> so it's a, it's a pretty straightforward relationship between the environment and people. That, we, that here we insist on somehow buttressing ourselves against change. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm mind, mind reminded of the fact that speaking of energy or climate change or things, that, that there's a lot of dialogue about resilience, you know, climate resilience, because things are changing. So how do you make yourself more resilient? How do you make economies and countries more resilient? When the West uses the word resilient, it does mean no stronger, overcoming pain and hardship.
2: Mm.
1: How do you push through the difficulty: How do you build yourself stronger and more muscular, and build big walls around mm. things? In most indigenous cultures, we talk about resilience as a living concept. No, it's how do you adapt. It's how do you be like the river. We talk about resi- r- rivers being resilient, and they move and they change, and they learn and they flow where the water needs to flow, and they and they change their courses as is needed. That's what resilience means in indigenous mm. concepts. It doesn't mean concrete the river so it never has to change. Which is the Western idea? Mm. Um, so, I don't know that our solutions. I don't know that the Western systems are willing to hear our solutions. Yeah, because our solutions require them to do something that they are unwilling to do.
0: Is it unwilling, or or is it just against their law? You know, like, and what I mean by that is, mm. as I'm listening to you talk, I'm I'm like. The whole Western society is built on ownership mm. and it's built on power and um, we will not be told mm. by the environment how we're going to live our lives. Yeah. We're going to tell the environment this is this is what you're going to do to adapt to our needs as human beings because we're top of the food chain. You know that because I, I think indigenous people just get it when mm. we're we're. we're we're well below the food chain, you know, the yep. environment is everything and we're just guests and, and we're only here for, you know, the entree <laughs> because we also, we also are deeply, deeply understand that we're just one little link in a very long chain of people that came before us and people that come after us. And, and, and we think about ourselves in, in this, in the sense of I am we, and my role is to contribute to the greater good of my, of my v- family my fano, my my tribe my mob you know my nation and you know so I, I just feel like western society law dictates you do the best you can because it's survival of the fittest and
1: Look, I, I love the way I love the way you've used law there because of, of course that that western law which is global law Really, yeah, it it comes from those sort of religious traditions that speak to the idea of dominion. That somehow man has dominion over the planet. Yes, this is your thing to own and control and conquer. Um, which is which is a a significant flaw (laughs) in 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 that whole framework of law L O R E and law Mm -hmm. L A W, because that law gives rise to L A W law of things like property. Yes, and control. Um, and transactions that I can somehow take something from you or buy something from you because you must own this thing or I must own this thing. When, um, when, in certainly from our cultural perspective, um, we go back even further than the idea of human beings. We go back to the idea that, and and I can hear him as you're speaking to that I can hear my one of my elders talking about the fact that um, he, he fondly talks all the time about the idea that. We are no more important than the kangaroo, mm. or the emu, or the tree. We were tree. We were kangaroo. Mm. We were emu, because in our culture we talk about the fact that no, we we are we are those things. Yes. They came before us. We are of them. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't have dominion over yeah. them. We are no more important than them. In fact, there's a beautiful story. You mentioned Noongar. This is a Noongar story, by the way, for you that, that ah. might be useful. There's a beautiful story um, from Nunga culture, Western Australian culture. For those listening about um, at the time when decisions were being made about who would be responsible for things who would hold the law and who would be the boss of things um all the animals all the entities of the landscape came together to make this big decision and um and they were arguing with each other and standing up so oh, i'll go take i'll do this the kookaburra said oh, i'll go up this and the borough, you know just sort of laughs a bit and flies around and says yeah and and, and others would say well yeah but you know you you know you, you fly around. You need somebody connected to the ground who's mm. on the ground who's connected to the ground. Okay, so Kidness said, "Oh, I'll, I'll give it a go." And they um, said, "Yeah, but you move a bit slow. You know, you sort of you sort of, <laughs> travel a whole country and and put law in and be responsible for all of this." And that went all around the entire animal kingdom and the trees. Everybody said, well, uh, "Okay, I'll accept this responsibility." And the and the the, comi- the committee of entities um, and every living thing in the landscape said, "No, look, that's good, but not good enough." And the very last thing they said, well, what about those fellows over there? Yeah. Those human beings. I said, okay. Look, we don't trust them. They're skittish. Um, They can be greedy. Mm. Um, And the decision was said, well, we'll let them be the custodial species if they are prepared to meet their obligations under law.
2: Mm.
1: To not be greedy and to not have ego. So human beings were the last ones invited to be responsible. For the land for the for, for their responsibility of law and culture and custodial responsibility for landscape and they're only given that responsibility as a consequence of mm. law you can't do that if you don't have law and here we have a whole world now built on people feeling they have that opportunity that that to extract from that with no law mm. and none of the responsibility
0: that is such a powerful story and and you know i listened to it and just it just as a person as a member of the human race i'm like man they should just take it back off us because we've really wrecked it <laughs> like we have really let the team down right like they should have just gone look okay we gave it a try
1: well, you yeah, terrible we're taking that's it actually back it's original we we, we we talk about that and as i mentioned that old fellow who who, who uh who talked about we're not more important than kangaroo he often says well you know so we we did this we had this go um our job isn't our, our custodial responsibility isn't to guarantee our existence mm-hmm. it's to guarantee the existence of the system yeah if that means that we go eh, we go yeah um our job is to maintain the system and yeah. if if human beings are not the answer if they are destructive of that system
0: yeah and you know like i hear you say that and i go yeah I'm up for that because I think like that, but the Western world would just like the very thought that we could, you know, we would give up our very existence to ensure the betterment of our environment goes against every law there is in the Western world, which is primarily survival of the fittest, isn't it? Do you think um, at a point we're at a point in our evolution where the Earth is telling us you're on your last legs, A- and by that I mean the increase in natural disasters globally—earthquakes, floods, fires—like, are we are we on the verge of the next apocalypse here?
1: Well, you, you know, you know what and I, I'm I'm hearing that old man reflect on this too, because he he's told me in the past on on this conversation. He said, "Why do you think Mother Nature cares about us?" yeah <laughs> we're, we're, we're nothing yeah. in this system um so there's this all this narrative <laughs> around the idea of oh, look she's giving us a message she's not giving us a message she's doing her thing yeah, yeah and you're a barai in my language mother she's doing her thing um we are parts of that system but we are ants we are trees we are emu yeah. we are nothing Yeah, you know, the emus aren't sitting around saying oh we've buggered this up um we're in trouble um why do we have the hubris the ego yeah to think she's talking to us <laughs>
0: She's probably far too busy, far she's too busy to see a message. She's
1: doing a thing and she's responding to the system. Now, of course, we have agency in that and we are pissing her off.
0: Absolutely. And
1: we are creating those pains and those yeah. distractions and we are giving rise to the response that she's generating. So we have eight, We have to accept our responsibility for that. But we shouldn't have the ego to think she's trying to tell us anything. Well, she's just responding to what we've done. Um, as any good mother does for children... Who don't behave? Mm. She doesn't need to explain herself to us. She doesn't need to sit down and give us a big long lecture about. So this is the consequence. That, remember, I told her at the beginning, boy I just look, 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 listen and learn." Well, we're not looking, <laughs>
0: we're yeah. not listening, no. we're not
1: learning, and she keeps pointing that out.
0: <laughs> and, and you know, for all we know, she's sitting there right now planning out the next ice age. That's like right. it could, we, That's could, right. could exactly. be around the corner.
2: That's right. Um, That's
0: right. It's it's an interesting thing. Loa, both, both L-O-R-E and L-A-W. I, you know, tikanga as we we call it, or kawa, our our everything, our everything really is built on it. Um, And what I have noticed for us as, as Māori as our tikanga is needing to, to, flex and grow and change with the evolution of new things. So uh, there's some practices today that we don't adhere to because we live our lives in a different way. But the remnants of some of that, um, you know, still filter through in our everyday activities. For example, um, you know, we... uh, kai food sharing food um kai removes tapu which is sacredness in certain spaces and um and our heads are very sacred in our culture and things like um sunglasses or cell phones or anything now that touches your head shouldn't go somewhere where food does now that's in the old day, was reflected around, um, you know, differently. Nowadays, to not put your sunglasses on the table when you walk in the door, and it, it, it's it's a it's breaking our tikanga yeah. in a in a sense. But practically, you know, so 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 tikanga bends and flexes. We found during COVID, um, we couldn't come together to grieve our people mm. that we lost in a way that we according to our custom and our law and our tikanga. So it had to flex, you know, we, we hongi. Um, mm. And you may have seen Maori people, you know, we press noses. We can do that. So we had to bump elbows and virtual high five. And, you know, all of these things grow and flex. But fundamentally, the the, um, the values are the same and they, they underlie the same. What, what type of indigenous law l o r e are we going to need to lean into learn more about in order to see us through uh, this this next environmental phase do you think mm.
1: look there's a lot in that um, and we still have many practices in different places that are still deeply um, sacred wouldn't be imagined to be broken including you, you may know story about Aboriginal culture we have concepts because of all those nation groups and all those relationship and systems that go across the country things like avoidance protocols and other sorts of systems where people can talk to some and not to others and, and and these things are still deeply practiced because um, they're very real um, but we also have um, yeah, sacred secret ceremony processes and other sorts of things that we will maintain because we must. Uh, and they will be unchanged. Um, including now, they're on the other side of that sort of COVID, that particular COVID cycle. We simply ignored those laws, mm. and we did them because we must. Mm. Um, yeah, but Australia's a big enough country that we could do that, and um,
0: not be seen. Yeah, be sane. <laughs> not not in New Zealand. <laughs> That's right. Plus, we were in literal lockdown.
1: Yes, but well, there, are, there are attempts made on that too. But yeah. um, but um, but. These are these are things we don't just do because they're, they're because we well they're fun things to do mm. they're things we do because we know that to do them is in fact an act of obligation for mm. the system. So if we don't do them, further bad things will happen. Yeah, which is probably the thing that I think leans into your question that that so much of Aboriginal cultural practice is indirect practice. So um, and by that I mean that. In West, they want to get to the end of the story. No, I need the... Can you just forget all the beginning bit? Can you just give me the answer at the end a bit? But the answer actually is just an outworking of mm-hmm. the process. And so we might be, you know, might be... For instance, people are not always aware that, for instance, things like dance, dance ceremony, you know, just corroboree. People are familiar with corroborees. Um, those things weren't just fun times to have a disco. Like like those cultural practices those dance practices were culturally significant for the purposes of rain or mm. care or when we dance um and we're kicking up dirt and things and thumping feet very hard that's to wake up mother it's to literally
2: wow. give
1: give her life give her energy um and if it hurts us that's the, that's the consequence mm. that's the purpose um we are showing how much we care so and that and what we know about that by the way is that th- that's what it looks like to people like they're kicking up a lot of dust and hurting themselves but but why Why don't they just do it a bit more gently? Yeah. Um, But the reality is that that process enlivens that soil um, and creates a different relationship in that soil. We are pouring sweat and sometimes blood into that particular process, which nourishes that. And you come back a year later and there's stuff growing there that wasn't growing there the Mm. year before. So our processes are not always, you know, people aren't looking for a direct relationship between action and consequence. Whereas we're saying, no, we do this thing and then a the hundred consequences flow because that over here is a gift to the to the system. So what I want the West to do more of is recognize that the small thing they do here yeah. has profound effect on the system over there. Rather than look for the answer at the end all the time, mm. the small things are significant. Mm. The small things add up. And how you do those things matters to the end of the whole system.
0: And do you think it's, a, it's also... Um, because a, a lot of indigenous practices... We do A, B and C and the outcome of Z is still a little unclear when yeah. we're at B. But but we just know that if we do A, B, C, D and we go through this process, that that the solution or the outcome will happen because we've done these things up front. So do you think the Western world needs to learn a little more about um, just start uh, with well intention and start well at point A and, and try to... Go on that journey and and allow yourself the time to learn along the yeah. way Look, without I, I having this right. pre predefined, I'm getting to there, you know?
1: I, th- I think that um, that trust the process is something we often talk about. Yeah, um, But also the country is the teacher. Mm. Um, and country moves slowly. Um, so hmm. you've got to be willing, to was just getting that before with the idea of proper problem-solving, Requires proper problem identification, mm. and so if you sit in country and you observe it, you see things that are happening that others don't see, um, and the, only then can you actually come up with a solution. Mm. So you've got to trust the process, and this is a mistake that the that the West always makes on everything, be it politics or economics or business or just corporate life. I mean, in my language, we in my culture we have this concept called Ma bulubu, which is the next seven again. Which is, means that everything I am responsible for and the decisions I take, and arguably the reason I still speak about this stuff, is because I am responsible for the next seven generations. Yeah. Um, and so I I do this today so that that's that, that continues. Um, and I and the actions I take in be corporate life as much as legal life as much as professional life. Have seven generation consequences. So when we we say when we say next seven again or seven generation, people think, oh, that's cool. But that's that. So that's our grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. Politics is
2: Mm.
1: next economic cycle, like i.e. next quarter. Yeah. Or business is next financial year with the shareholder return announcements. So the distinction between one year or four years of government or whatever the term cycles are, versus you know the five generations (laughs) of the seven generations of family. And just to put that in context for you, seven generations, Australia has only been colonised for six. Yes. So, we're so, even less. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this idea, we're <clears throat> not even in one cycle mm. of my obligation mm. and look what they've done. Yeah. Um, and for most of the Western world, it's only one cycle of our cultural obligations and they've buggered it up royally. Mm. Um, so our cycles are so radically different. So the process isn't just... Trust the. Pro- Sometimes the process is. I don't know what the process is going to be. Certainly,
0: in six generations. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just. Gonna, I'm, I'm just
0: going to figure out the next couple of steps. That's right. But <laughs> that's all we can do, right. My right?
1: obligations are to, are to make sure I'm meeting my obligations yes. and my responsibilities for this moment mm. in this process.
0: Can I ask you about something? I think
1: s- we're about to be. We...
0: Yeah, we're going to wind up. Yeah. Excellent. Can I? I, I do want to just invite Uncle Dean to talk about. Bye. Um, I want to invite you. I th- you have something with you, and and I've, and people may not be able to see it. Although if you are, you you will hold it up so you can have a um a look. Can I invite you to share with us about what it is that you have with you? Well,
1: th- thank thank you for asking. This is this is my law stick, which is both L O R E and L A W. Mm. But um, it, it's a it's it, we might might have heard them called things like knowledge, knowledge sticks, or sorry, message sticks or things to that effect in different places. But in, in, in Aboriginal cultural practice of past, message sticks were often a way of passing knowledge between different communities, mm. um, rather than verbal, recollections. Um, ah. recollection. So we'd have, we'd exchange through, through knowledge, but this one's a little different. He's a law, a law stick. Um, and he tells a story of, of my systems of law. Um, the camera won't be able to see it, but, but, but it begins down here with dolphin, Guppa, my language. That's my Wurramyi my nation is a is a, a nation made by dolphins. So dolphins created our country, created our river systems up on that sort of coast. So if you were travelling up that way, and look at the the story of this dolphin story that goes right up the coast, obviously as there is whale story that goes right up the coast of, of of Australia and and here also. Wow. Um, but dolphin story is what constructed the river systems, and so it goes from 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 dolphin story, um, through emu, and into kangaroo story, can, kangaroo lore is um is a is a process of men's law. Um but but more perhaps more significant is other elements of this stick that carry our law circles, our relational circles, our relationship systems are encoded in here. So so I, I bring him along, frankly for my own safety. Yes. Um and to make sure that I'm being properly grounded. And he reminds me um of what my responsibilities mm. are as I as I travel through. So yeah, you know, I, I can't ever forget my communities and my history. And I can't ever forget my responsibilities, as it extends all the way through. So it's, it's basically there whenever I'm travelling to remind me of my responsibilities across that system. It's a, it's a, it's a is a very heavy um
0: it is very heavy i have held it and yeah. i can assure you it is very heavy heavier than you think it's going to be so
1: i often call him spiritually heavy because mm, he, it, yes. it, it, it defies all physics yeah um and and he's he's, he's traveled through a lot of ceremony he traveled through a lot of smokings and care and 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 been cared for by others um which is why he's so he carries so much love and responsibility um it's also you know I wouldn't say it in case I don't. I don't get back out of the country, but it's also a handy weapon should the issue should arise. Should you need
0: it, you will not <laughs> yes. need it while you were here because we are going to care for you on our Fenua while you're with us. Uh, I we have we have similar artifacts in our culture, and our, some of our old people used to hold a stick with notches, hmm. um, and it just had notches, but they would be able to talk. About our whakapapa, our genealogy, mm. all the way back mm. on each notch. So um, it's beautiful, and uh, I understand your comment about keeping yourself safe, but also reminding you of your responsibilities, both in the present time, but also in the past and future sense as well. So I want to, I want to thank you so much. I, I just, I do want to just. Um, uh, just create a space. If there were, if there was anything, I don't want you to go away and go. Gosh, I wish I really wanted to speak about this. So, if there was anything else that was lingering in your heart and mind that we didn't get to, because I feel like we could sit here all day and all night. Well, I
1: night. think we, I think we could. <clears throat> and I've, I've really enjoyed enjoyed the yarn. And thank you, for, you know, for creating that sort of space. I am mindful that. Um, I, I guess I'm mindful that. That I don't want, with this type of conversation, for people to feel as though it. It's inaccessible to them. Or they can't be part of it because they're not necessarily indigenous, mm. or Māori. They're not necessarily able to be in that conversation. Um, but our cultures are cultures of welcome, our cultures of embrace, our cultures yes. of love. Um, we are here to bring people into those conversations um, because we want it for them, because we want them to be able to operate differently in the future. Um, so I don't anybody who's listening or viewing to think. Again, that that was cute or interesting, um, maybe even fascinating, but not relevant. Yeah. Um, now, I want everybody to understand this is this is an invitation to everybody to be thinking about the world differently, to mm. be thinking about it through relationships to place, relationships to people, relationships to history, ancient, ancient, mm. ancient histories, and deeply considered long-distant futures. Um, and importantly, to recognize our role in that, as one of responsibility, Mm. not one of power. Mm. Um, So I just want to invite people to make sure they don't feel excluded or unable to access this because this is important for them too. And this beautiful, extraordinary culture of yours that that I know is at different points in its relationship with the nation Mm. um, and where it sits in the language and the politics and the policy frameworks of the nation that um, for us, we have plenty of people who are fighting the battles on the ground, and we've seen this recently, about rights, about um, um, about disadvantage, about inequities. That's not my job as a cultural person. My, my job is to is – to, there are plenty of very good people doing that work. Um, I don't want that to be the conversation for our nation. Mm. In the same way, I wouldn't want it to be the only conversation for your nation. Mm. The conversation I want Australia to have, New Zealand to have, I use those terms very deliberately – um is to respect the cultures that are here what what to to honor them not to see them as a people or or a problem or a deficit or a social disadvantage, but to see our cultures as something to be proud of mm. and to be the fu- to be base of the future cultures mm. of those nations
0: absolutely I couldn't agree with you more uh some of the work that I do. One of my favourite things to finish any session on is, if Maori are thriving, New Zealand's thriving. Like like us doing well benefits all of us. You know this this beautiful culture. Although it's in my DNA, it's in the very fabric of the land that you that we all walk around on every day. So. Why wouldn't we want why wouldn't we want that beautiful language culture identity history to be protected, preserved and enhanced and empowered for everybody? Um, we all win when we all win and so so how we can collectively work together to um, to protect, preserve and empower indigenous cultures globally, I think it's just going to be in the benefit of of humankind. So, I I cannot thank you enough for this space, for this time. I literally give or take, you know, maybe some more food, potentially a glass of wine. I could sit here and talk with you all night, Uncle Dean. We'll have to do that again. I would love to uh, visit you in your home as well. I I had the privilege of going to Gadigal country recently and um, be part of a welcome ceremony. And in a part of the ceremony, Uh, they had some ochre Mm. and they um, put it on my hand. And I was so struck by that at another depth, I think, than just what a beautiful gesture at a depth of responsibility. I was like, I've I've got some of your land and my Mm. skin and it's going to go into my bloodstream. Mm. And so now I have a responsibility to this land. Um, I felt part of the fabric of it. And um, so I hope that your time here in Aotearoa, although it isn't a cultural practice of ours to um, put some of our whenua onto your skin, we will do that in other ways spiritually, I hope, while you are with us, and that you will leave here with a part of this beautiful whenua, our beautiful country, with you very much in your DNA, seeping into your into your bloodstream.
1: Our, our cultures have always been in relationship. They have. Um well, since you mob, you know, um, came along, but, uh, we've always been in a relationship.
2: And, oh and yeah, I'll, we're
0: I'll... very much your your junior. You were here much, much before us. We, we but you know what? We we actually that's in our stories. Hmm. We talk about you as our tuakana, our hmm. oldest sibling, in a hmm. sense. We've always honoured that status, no, and, know. And, and
1: and and we appreciate the fact that that uh, our younger siblings are often more. Um, successful more go-getter perhaps than some of ours. but that's another story for another day too uh, thank you for maybe this we yarn. just thank don't you have fear that, that's that's true too <laughs> but um but but thank you for the time together it's beautiful to be here and thank you
0: thank you mihi nui kia kui, Uncle Dean. Kia thank you so much kia ora. ah fabulous